just talking. We know how to talk. Yep. It's, it's <laughs> one of my specialties. Okay, so we're live right now. Okay, good. So uh, we're out there. We're on Facebook. We're at LV Real Estate Radio. We're on the Blankfeld Group page. We're also on YouTube right now, and we're also on LinkedIn on my personal page, my my business page. Um, so, uh, guys, we're taping our show for Las Vegas Real Estate now this week. We have a, a unique program today, something different. We're going to step a little bit away from real estate, but talk more about something about personal financial matters and personal health matters. And I think it's an important topic. It, it touched me personally, and that's why I, I invited these ladies to come talk to you guys uh, with me uh, on the show we're going to have. And when we start talking, I'll let you know, uh, Julie McIntosh and Jennifer Wontok from uh, Compassionate Care. And we're going to talk to them about palliative care. And hospice, and we're going to talk about those things because they are impactful uh, from your from a personal health standpoint, but also from a personal financial standpoint. We're going to talk about those things. So, guys, stay tuned. We're going to start uh, taping in just a few moments. Uh, I invite all of you guys on Facebook and and YouTube and LinkedIn to stick with us uh, to catch the entire program right now, or if you want, prefer tune in Saturday on KDWN one hundred one point five FM seven twenty AM at again at eleven AM on Saturday. So here we go. We're going to go ahead and just get started here. What's that? They were saying they talk with their hands too, so that everybody does. Everybody yeah. talks with their hands. All right. I mean, like okay. All right. Yeah. All right. And unfortunately, the microphones don't pick it up that well. Yeah. Right. But but there's something uh, before we start the show. I want to tell you one of the things I learned is that uh, people can hear your smile. They can. Um. So smile. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're funny. If, yes. Well. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna try. We're gonna try to make people. We're gonna try to make people laugh a little bit too today. We'll do that. I'm sure. Um, okay, let me get my timer going, then we'll get started here. Here we go. <clears throat> Welcome to our show. This is Las Vegas Real Estate Now, where we bring you the three E's, educate, empower, and engage. We want to help you to make your real estate decisions wise ones for you and your family. I'm your host, Harvey Blankfeld of the Blankfeld Group at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and we have over a century of collective real estate experience. I'm a licensed agent here in Nevada. My NRED number is S.00048897. On this program, we're dedicated to delivering timely, balanced truths about local market conditions. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702 702- Two zero three one one six five again. That's seven zero two two zero three one one six five. Today in our program, we have a unique show for you guys today. Uh, we I've invited uh, Julie McIntosh and Jennifer Wontok here from uh, uh, from I'm sorry from Compassionate Care Hospice uh, to join us to talk about hospice care and palliative care. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thanks for being here. You know, listen for me. This and the reason there's a couple reasons I've invited you guys here. One, I have a personal experience with this re- in recent years. And came the realization that I didn't understand the nature of palliative care or the difference between palliative care and hospice care and, and whether there was a difference or not. So perhaps, perhaps Julie, you can explain to people what, what, is, what is hospice, what is palliative? Can you, I mean, is, I know, is, this is not going to take a second, I understand that. It's kind of a loaded question right. and to lead with that. Um, so all hospice care is palliative care, okay. but not all palliative care 
is hospice. Okay. That's kind of the corny way to say it. No, that's important. It's an important but, distinction. But mm-hmm. hospice is care that's provided for people that have a terminal condition and are in the end phase of their life, and it's focused on the concept of palliative care. We know that we can no longer fix or cure their illnesses, but what can we do to keep them as comfortable as possible, focus on quality of life, um, provide that pain and symptom management, and make sure that the end of their life experience is the best that it can be. Now, in recent years, we've seen palliative care expand as a specialty outside of hospice. Mm -hmm. So we're with hospice. We have to be in that end stage of life. Typically, um, the Medicare regulation is that we believe someone might be in the last six months of their life. Okay. But that also is a loaded question, so hopefully we'll come back to that because hospice care can go indefinitely. Gotcha. But initially, we have to believe they're in their last six months of life and they're no longer seeking aggressive or curative treatment for their illness, then we can provide hospice care. Gotcha. But in palliative care that's outside of hospice now, what we've realized is that anybody with a serious debilitating illness needs palliative support. They need that comfort care. Right. We do things like um, help them understand their diagnosis and their prognosis, help with that symptom management, help them um, really address their goals of care. So anyone needs that. Somebody that has stage 2 cancer that may very likely be going through treatment and it may they may be able to recover from it, they still need that palliative support while they're going through treatment. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing this specialty outside of hospice develop. Um, right now, it's mostly inpatient in the hospital settings where we see palliative care. And here in Las Vegas, in southern Nevada, all of our major hospital systems have a palliative team. Okay. Doctors, um, nurse practitioners, and PAs that specialize in palliative care. It's the community-based palliative care that is um, just starting to develop and catch up. Most and so this is, this is care you can get in your home or... So hospice care is absolutely meant to be provided in your home, and probably 95% across the nation is provided in someone's home. Okay. Palliative care as a standalone specialty um, outside of the hospital, we're starting to see this development of community-based palliative care, and it can look different. Okay. Um, It can be where you go in and see a palliative specialist in their office the same way you would see your cardiologist or your nephrologist or your neurologist. So you go into a clinic or a doctor's office um, or that home-based care where somebody is coming in and doing more like what we consider a house call. Right? Gotcha. We used to call a house call. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it's just really limited because Medicare has not approved palliative as a billable service by itself. Right. So in the hospital setting, it's covered under your hospital stay. In the community, it's covered more under Medicare B, okay. which is a doctor's visit. Gotcha. It's covered under Medicare B. Okay. So there's some limitations with that. Um, they might be able to be seen in, in home once a month. Okay. And then have kind of the telephone and communication and support of that palliative team. Uh, but it looks very different from what we know with hospice where we're in someone's home and we might be seeing them five days a week. Gotcha. And home can really be anywhere they call home. Okay. So whether it be in a residential home setting or it could be an assisted living facility or even a skilled nursing facility. So home is really where the patient is going to be residing as their home at that at that time. Okay. And you guys at Compassion Care, are you're affiliated with one of the local systems here or... 
So we are owned by Bright Spring Health Services, which okay. is across the nation. Okay. Yeah. And um, we do work with all the hospital systems, um, assisted livings, group homes. We've been here in Southern Nevada for 18 years. Wow. And we are up in Northern Nevada, too. We have an office in Reno and Carson City. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay. So um, one of the things, you know, and, and, and we've jumped right into this topic, guys, so for those of you listening. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to explain why we're talking about this to a certain extent, because to me, it, it became very apparent. As my mom was, as many of you know, listening, my mom passed last year. And the, the day before she passed, we were approached about palliative care from the nurse practitioner in the hospital. And she said, hey, you know, this is something you might want to consider for your mom based on the fact that she's been going back to the hospital repeatedly and whatever. Um, I won't get into the details, but, but the very next day she passed. Mm-hmm. And had we known about the opportunity to engage palliative care earlier, we certainly would have. But we weren't aware. And that's the thing. I, that's the reason I've got you guys on the program because I want people to be aware of this opportunity to get that kind of support for somebody who's got um, either end of life situation or just debilitating situation that you guys can you guys can help them. And, Absolutely. And that's and that's something that people don't realize. I was just talking with somebody else about it, and you made a you made a point to me before, Julie, about we're in a uh, we're a death denying society. And I think that's an important term to, to bring out and talk about. Um, and, and nobody likes talking about this. Yeah. I, I certainly don't. I'm, I'm not, I mean, look, I enjoy talking to you guys. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me say that first off. But it's not a topic we're all you know, looking to seek out. It's not, you know, this is not a comedy routine we can talk about or a TV show we're watching. This is yeah. a very important topic, and it needs to be discussed. That's why I have you guys here. So I wanted to get that out there right away so everybody understands why we're doing this, and I think it's important. And there's a lot of misconceptions about this. Tell, tell me about, like, first is hospice care um, is co- can be covered by Medicare, right? Yeah, it's covered 100%. 100%. There is no out-of-pocket cost, wow. no deductibles. Your Medicare A, which is typically your hospital insurance, converts to cover hospice 100% when somebody becomes eligible for hospice. And so they can have that care either in the hospital or in their home. And most of the time it's in their home, as you were explaining before. Yes. Yeah. That's where we want to be. Absolutely. They say that, you know, when they, they have done huge studies where they've looked at people and they've asked groups of 50,000 plus people, if mm-hmm. you knew you were in the last year of your life, where would you want to be? What would you want to be doing? And most people, over 70%, their answers did not include, I want to be in the hospital. I want to <laughs> be hooked not. up to machines. I want to be away from my family. Right. People want to be home. But in our country, what we find is more than 70% of adults in America die in the hospital. Yeah. And it's goes back to what you just said yeah we don't talk about it we're scared to talk about it nobody and it's not just the public doctors don't want to talk about it nurses social workers the whole healthcare profession and then you have the public who doesn't understand it either and really it's been in our country and been covered by medicare since 1983 wow that's a really long time for us still to have this much confusion it's the most underutilized of all the medicare benefits interesting you know, uh, I mean, and, and by, by the way, guys, hospice, is, as, as, as these guys are describing it, is not a place where you go. It's just a concept of care. It's just a concept of care. It's a, it's a way, it's, a, it's, a, it's an approach to end-of-life stages and so forth. That's, that's what it's for. Um, and having it in the home, I think that that's such an important point because I think people, I mean, it's, it's for the benefit of the person who's in, in, involved uh, specifically and their family, 
both, not just for the benefit of the patient, but for the benefit of the patient's family as well, right? I don't think people realize, um, and Jen, you can mm-hmm. jump in here too, um, the amount of support that's available right. to the family. Yeah. Of course, the physical care, the medical care is for the patient. But Jen, do you want to explain a little well, bit? Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to come back. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to okay. run a couple of commercials. Jen, when we come back, we'll have you talk a little bit more about how it provides services to the family around that patient as well. So guys, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute goes fast guys yeah. wow we just do three more of those and then we're done it's quick wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> goes really fast uh, yeah everyone's always wow that was quick okay now because you have all the statistics and you have all that good stuff right <laughs> well let's talk about jennifer let's talk about the way how it benefits the family as well because i think that's important and let me well, before i do that i need to look something up i, I spoke to this guy just recently and i want to make, make a note of his name and that emotional and spiritual support. And yeah, the R and case manager. <coughs> I just spoke to a guy named Norman McCombs about something completely different. But he was just telling me his wife, he's from New York, and his wife passed from Alzheimer's a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I it, it came across about the radio show, and I said, oh, well, I'm talking to these guys about this, and that's how it came up. And he And, and he... He validates our concern about being a, a society that does not like talking about death. It's, he said, Harvey, the, one of the reasons I didn't want to engage palliative care right away was because I was afraid it was admitting defeat. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit on the air, too. But let's, first, let's talk about how, how you guys can support the family around, around the patient. Let's get right back into that. And here we go. <clears throat> Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. With me now in studio, we have Julie McIntosh and Jennifer Wontok. Uh, Julie is the Director of Education and Public Relations, or... Community relations. Community relations, forgive me. Basically education and outreach. Right. Which is an important, that's what we do on the radio, by the way. That's why we're here. And Jennifer Wontog, you're the executive director there. Yes. Okay, very good. Yes. Jennifer, before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, how how this type of care might not only support the, the patient themselves, but maybe even help the family a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about that? Correct, yeah. So a lot of our patients that are home or that need that extra care, and even the caregivers, uh, we have a disciplinary team that we provide to not only the patient but the family. We have an RN case manager who generally is the main nurse that goes out and takes care of you know, the symptoms, the, the signs and symptoms that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, we have a team that, you know, we have a social worker that may help with just the last, you know, affairs that is sure. needed, you know, mm-hmm. hence the uh, funeral homes and any setups that need to be right. taken care of prior to that, if that wasn't already, you know, yeah, again, a topic we don't like talking about. Right, yeah. right? exactly. Right. Um, so they're there to kind of give that support and that that um, information and the resources that they have. In addition to that, we also have the spiritual. So we have a chaplain um, who visits the family and or the, the, nice. the caregivers as well to mm-hmm. give that spiritual support. So we have the psychosocial aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have, of course, we have AIDS, um, RCNAs who are certified, who take care of the patients themselves. But that's also kind of gives them a relief for the caregivers as well. Because, no doubt. you know, for that to happen, you know, with the family to have 24-7 care in that home, for somebody to come into 
help with that, mm-hmm. um, you know, is really, it can, can really do a lot. And yeah. even within that, and if it, it could be daily, it, it could be a right. daily thing that they come out to do. So, and that is just a relief for the family in and of itself. So yeah. that, that definitely, so our entire team kind of goes in there um, to not only help the family, but the caregivers as well. I think a great way to explain it is it's holistic care, mm-hmm. and it's really unlike any other mm-hmm. aspect of healthcare where everything is very. Um, we have all these specialties, right? And everybody works independently in their specialty, but yet in, work together, right? right? In hospice, coordinating with one another. Yeah. yeah, in hospice, we're interdisciplinary, and we're looking at the physical, the emotional, the mm-hmm. spiritual, because we know for somebody at end of life and their family. All of those components are so important. So it really is the most holistic area of healthcare that we have in our society. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear because you know one of the challenges I've seen, and and we, I love you know I've been exposed to these things lately. You know my father-in-law and my mom, uh, my mother-in-law lives with us now, and we're taking care of her at our house, and we have support for that, which is terrific. But I've seen this, and one of the things that's challenging, and I love that you said it's holistic in that sense. One thing that's challenging is coordinating the variety of doctors that are involved here. We've got a you know a neurologist, we've got an oncologist, we've got a a general, you know, and then and then we have a physical therapist coming, and we have a you know an occupational therapist, and we're trying to coordinate all these efforts. It's it's a real challenge. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, and it's it's almost a full time job, and yet we're still we still work for a living. <laughs> so it's, it does it becomes a challenge. And being a caregiver is one of the hardest jobs oh, yeah. in the world. I am I and I you know I I absolutely. Uh, am enthralled with the the support that we get right now from the people that were there there because i could never do what they do Mm -hmm. i you know my wife's wonderful she's she's really good with her mom she takes great care of her i'm the you know i'm bad i'm just i'm just gonna admit it i'm terrible at this i just can't do it i can't get myself to do it you probably handle other things i do i'm sure you take out the garbage yes it's true i pay the bills i take care of all her finances i'm taking care of all that stuff yeah i'm getting all that taken care of but yeah for the for the one-on-one care nah, not me i'm just i'm afraid you know and i'm admitting it it's a weakness of mine i just can't do it i think it takes a special heart though i mean even for us we see nurses all the time who would not be a good fit maybe for yeah. hospice. That's just not where their heart is. Right. It takes a very special kind of person to be a caregiver, to do dementia care, to do end-of-life care. Mm-hmm. Those are um, specialties that mm-hmm. really require a, a certain level above. And I think that's what we're here for, too, is we're the support. And we can recognize that. So we sometimes can see that maybe there's some family members that – Maybe might be some hands-off. Maybe there's some extra services that we could provide. So we are the experts. We can see that mm-hmm. from the outside in, mm-hmm. and that's where we come in as a support. Terrific. Yeah, I mean, I think it's – look, guys, I, as you're listening to this, I want you to understand there's a couple of things I really want you to take away from this. First of all, um, hospice care is fully covered under Medicare. You don't have to pay for it, and it's there, it's available to you. So, And the, the question would be is, is how do I know if we qualify for that? How do I – you know, at what point – you know, do we say, gee, maybe we should think about this? Or can you help them figure that out? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I want to add, though, before I forget, Medicare does cover hospice 100%. Medicaid also covers hospice. The VA also covers hospice for service-connected veterans. Excellent. And many organizations like ours, we take gratis cases all the time. Okay. If someone's at end of life and they need our support, we don't want anybody to go through that experience Nice, long. nice. So um, as far as qualifications, um, Either sometimes it comes from the healthcare provider and the doctor has said, look, 
the treatments aren't working. There's nothing else we can do. It's really time to consider shifting to the other side of that healthcare continuum, which is focused on palliative care and comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking at you know end stage illnesses, and we don't get a list from Medicare that these ten diseases are covered and these aren't. Okay. Any disease or combination of diseases that are in the terminal phase. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's really clear cut. Cancer stage four that has spread mm. is considered a terminal illness. That person absolutely would qualify for hospice as long as they were no longer seeking chemotherapy or radiation. Gotcha. Those are considered aggressive, life sustaining treatments. Right. Sometimes it's the patient themselves that says, I don't want to do any more treatment. Right. I have no quality of life. Yeah. I really want to focus on being at home and and living out however much time I have left in the comfort of my home, focused on what's important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So each disease is a little bit different. We have kind of a criteria that we look at, whether we're looking at heart disease or lung disease or things like um, end-stage dementia, Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and the related dementias. But, you know, when somebody is needing more and more assistance in their activities of daily living, Mm -hmm. things like dressing, showering, toileting, eating, all of those activities of daily living. They're having functional decline. They're having cognitive decline. Um, They are having things like recurrent infections, falls. Mm. They're losing weight unintentionally. Hospitalizations. Frequent hospitalizations. (laughs) They're sleeping more. They're eating less. They're interacting less with the family. All of those things are red flags. Right. And really at any point in time, somebody can request an evaluation. Mm -hmm. And here's another big misconception. We don't need a doctor's order. Oh. We we do in order to start providing care, but we can get that later. The initial evaluation, anyone can call. We've had patients themselves call and Mm -hmm. say, I think I might want to be evaluated for hospice. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. We can come out, we can take a look at what's been going on with the patient. Mm -hmm. What's different from six months ago or a year ago till now? We get that whole big picture. And basically, Medicare tells us, if you can paint the picture for us that this person meets the criteria we've laid out, then you can begin providing services. So if we do an evaluation, yes, it looks like they meet criteria. Yes, they want to receive that support and no longer have aggressive treatment. We can have service start at the same day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a really easy process. They've made it super easy. You said something to me before this, uh, and I wanted to make this point also. I want to make sure I get this point out there, guys, is that uh, Julie made a comment to me when we met before. She said, Harvey, we're not recruiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I thought that was an, an important comment, and I wanted to say that on the air. Guys, they're not, they're, they're not encouraging people to be at that stage of life. Nobody wants to be at that stage of life. But if you are, and, you know, we have a hard time – admitting it's kind of like in speaking to some people it's, it's like admitting defeat you know we don't want to do that you know let's keep let's let's go after but at some point you have to come to the understanding that it's time for this type of help right nobody and wants take to, advantage of it nobody wants to take away hope nobody wants no. to admit we still have doctors that say to us well they're not dying tomorrow yeah okay i hope they aren't no um but like you said we're not recruiting i always say i hope you don't need our services for a really long time right our goal and even in coming here today is to provide the education nobody should be making these decisions in the midst of a crisis when their loved one is in the er in the icu yeah. emotions are high if we can give you the information now and you understand, you go, oh, I can just call for an evaluation. It's free. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And you can find out. Yep. Hey, guys, we're coming up on the bottom of the hour. We've got uh, a few commercials to run here. We're going to come back. we got a lot more to talk to Julie and Jennifer about. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Because we don't see the 
sounds a little messed up. I'm going to try and go see what she hears. So just keep Wait, it's messed up? Yeah. Is, she, is there an echo? I don't know, so I'm going to go see if I can hear it. The office kept calling me. Did you tell him where you were going? Well, I mean, yeah. Well, somewhat. Let's see, there's nothing here, right? Nope. Okay, good. Yeah, we have the girls listen on social media as we're recording, and sometimes they don't oh, hear something on the on the live. It shouldn't affect the tape for the radio station, but sometimes they hear something on the live broadcast. How long is each segment before you? About break? ten minutes. Okay. Yeah, about ten. Oh, that, minutes. that goes really fast. Wow. Yeah, it goes really fast. That does. Yeah, I mean we. Audio or huh? We need to reach that audio. Is it, it's not working at all, or. Mm-mm. Well, we don't, I mean, it probably recorded on here. Yeah, it will, but that's why it just sounds better on Facebook and all that stuff. So she's got no audio or? Mm -hmm. Or technology. (laughs) It's great when it works. It is, yes. It's always when you need it. Okay, hopefully she can hear me now. I think I think I I think I fixed the problem, but we'll see. I don't know why it went off, but it but it did. Okay. <clears throat> did she you know if she heard the first segment? She, she didn't hear any of it. I don't think so. I think okay. they just sat down. To All right, well, that's fine. Well, we've got the tape should be fine though. Yeah. The tape for the radio should be fine. Okay. Then okay. Let's go back live. All right, we're going back live. Here we go. Hold on, hold on. Ready? <coughs> Segment three. Here we go. <coughs> Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. With me now in studio, we have Julie McIntosh and Jennifer Wontuck. I, I, I say that every time we do a break, guys. I say if you ever have an idea or a thought about our program or a question, don't hesitate. Give me a call. I mean, this is a topic a little off what we normally do, but this is something I thought was important. If you have something you think is important, I'm happy to bring it on air and share with everybody. This show is about education, so I want you all to learn and hopefully understand. Now, before the break, guys, we were talking uh, a lot about uh, the support that you can get. We were talking about maybe the differences between hospice and palliative. Um, one of the things I wanted to, to, and I mentioned this before the break, is that it's we're, we're not encouraging people to be involved in this necessarily, but when they are, and there's no choice, by all means, reach out and get an evaluation. Now, let me ask you this: How far? Okay, let's let's say uh, mom's really sick and and uh, and she's she's not doing well. She, I, I can see that she's declining. She, it's getting you know her 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 physical abilities are, are are diminishing. Her mental capacity seems to be diminishing. Is that a good point to start this, or do I need to wait until I uh, she's closer to end stage? Uh, what 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 point should I start to do this? I always recommend to families: it's never too early to start. Okay. Sometimes we do meet with a patient and their family. 
and they need help. They might need a, a personal caregiver. They might need um, some other assistance like home health coming in. They may not yet be hospice appropriate, but again, we're the experts and we can um, guide them. Right. So we do that evaluation and assessment. We look at what's going on and we can say, you know, she needs a lot of help, but not quite hospice yet. Okay. But then any changes, let us know. Because sometimes, you know, it's two weeks later or a month later that right. now mom's had a fall. Mm. Or mom had another hospitalization. Or mom came down with pneumonia, God forbid, or COVID. And just that might be enough to now make them appropriate for hospice. Mm-hmm. So it's never too early. Um, we've I've met with families that... They were probably years too early, you know, in calling okay. us. They, okay. just, they needed some personal caregiving right. help around the house. Right. But then we can help connect them to resources. We right. work with amazing um, community agencies that we can say, here's a couple of people to call. This is not hospice appropriate yet. This is when they will be. So sometimes, though, getting that baseline, yeah. meeting the patient and the family, seeing what's going on, that helps when we are called back out a month later or six months later because now we have a baseline to go off of. As you're listening to this, guys, and you're hearing Julie explain that, and you're thinking, well, I may be in a situation like that, and you want to maybe have a quick consult with Julie, go ahead and text Julie to my number. Text Julie to 702-203-1165. Text it to me, and we'll put you in touch with her. And she can talk to you about perhaps setting up a time to evaluate your your situation so we can put you guys in touch. Let's do that, by all means. And I'm sure there's somebody out there listening right now who might decide, well, I don't know if we're ready or not, but let's just check it out. Let's just see what the possibilities are. And that's that's perfectly okay. Even if it's years too early, probably not a bad idea to, to at least check it out. Get the information. Right. I always say tools in your tool belt. Let this there be it tools. Is. And then as you're planning and as you're going you know, down your healthcare journey, you know the tools. You have the information at hand. Right. One of the things that I think was interesting in my personal experience was that we didn't get, we weren't directed towards palliative or hospice care until the very end. Uh, and had, and for some reason, I think the doctors were reluctant Mm -hmm. to say, gee, maybe you should consider this course of action instead of what we're doing right now. And, and, and I understand that's not uncommon. Doctors are, I mean, doctors like us don't want to give up, I guess is what it is. Right. So if you're if you're thinking that the doctor needs to direct you this way, don't wait for the doctor to do it. Right. One of the biggest things that I hear from families once they start receiving services is, oh, my goodness, I wish I would have known about this earlier. Mom had support for the last month of her life or the last three months. But if this could have been the last six months or year, why didn't we know about it sooner? Yeah. Um, doctors are hesitant. They're, they're trained to cure right. and fix. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't want to take away hope. Yeah. So these are really difficult conversations to have. And as I said, I mean, we still run into doctors today that say, well, they don't need hospice. They're not dying tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. But if they're within the last six months to year of their life, mm-hmm. hospice should be started and evaluation should be done because this is a wealth of support that is completely free to the patient and family that they can take advantage of. And hospice doesn't necessarily mean, maybe it does, correct me, bedridden, you can't, it doesn't necessarily mean that at all, does it? Not at all. No, no, not at all. No, we have patients that, you know, are ambulatory still. Okay, Um, right. It just depends on the disease process that they're on. Right. um, That they were, you know, the criteria that they were accepted on. Right. Um, But they do not have to be bed bound. They do not have to, you know, be just solidary in their home in that 
Okay. And, you know, at that point. So, so don't wait for that, guys. Don't wait for that. Don't wait for that. You know, get involved. And, and I think that, again, getting involved with this as soon as you, you think you might need it mm-hmm. is a good mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it can't hurt. Absolutely. It, it's not giving up hope because, you know what, you could change course again, right? Mm-hmm. You could go back. Let's go back. You know what? I, I'm, I, I decided I want to fight this disease. I want to get back in, in the game and try to fight it. They could turn the corner. They can go back to that. Can they not? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you don't have once once you you know sign consents generally with hospice. You don't have. That's not a contract to stay on there forever. Right. Mm-hmm. You can. Um, we have patients that have graduated that we call graduation because wow. You know they have. You know their quality of life has gotten to the point to where they don't need us anymore. Okay. Or at that point that maybe they just. They don't want to be mm-hmm. able to continue their care, or they want to go out and do aggressive treatment. So they can sign off hospice when when they're needing. Right. To. I think it's important to add there, too, though, it's not a one-time benefit. And that, I think, gets yeah. people confused. Okay. If I use hospice too early, then I won't have it when I need it. Ah. We see patients that are on and off hospice multiple times in the last few years of life. Okay. So it's an unlimited benefit. It's not like... Um, home health or hospitalizations where Medicare puts a cap on how many days you can receive. Right. It can go indefinitely. So sometimes we see patients receiving care for two and three years. Right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's not the most common because people come to us too late. Right. But um, they can stop at any time. If later on, if they stop to pursue aggressive treatment and now they feel like, okay, it's not working, I want to have hospice again. As long as they meet criteria, they can have hospice multiple times. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the term aggressive treatment because this is an important element to this that I'm thinking. I'm thinking out. I'm thinking out loud right now, guys. So bear with me. Mm-hmm. If I'm taking medication for symptoms, is that's not is that considered aggressive? I mean, wh- no, where's t- the line drawn on that? Typically, it's 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 treatment to cure or prolong life. So okay. things like chemotherapy, sure. Um, dialysis sometimes, okay. um, although sometimes a patient with dialysis can be on hospice for an unrelated diagnosis. Gotcha. Now they have cancer okay. or they have end-stage lung disease, but they also have this kidney disease. Right. But typically things like that, um, chemotherapy, radiation, um, aggressive treatments to cure the illness. That was a great point, though, about uh, um, uh someone has one disease they, they're still maintaining themselves with that but then they get something else that qualifies them for hospice they can still maintain their quality of life with that other element yes. right with okay so with dialysis for instance as you explained if, if they're getting dialysis but they develop some other disease that's that's it puts them in, in a hospice situation mm-hmm. they can still get the dialysis correct interesting i mean see this is you know uh, some people think well once i get hospice i gotta throw in a towel on everything and that's the thing i can't take my vitamins anymore i can't take my medications uh, you know whatever medications they're on they can still take those things just for sustaining things but not aggressively trying to cure absolutely okay mm-hmm. and you know all their medications that are related to their hospice illness mm-hmm. are covered and provided a hundred percent free wow. delivered to their home wow but any of those other medications you know they want to keep taking those vitamins they want to yeah. keep taking um, medications for dementia right. well that may not be covered by hospice but that doesn't mean they have to stop Good. they can still get it under their regular insurance from their walmart pharmacy or cvs however they were doing it before we're never there to tell somebody what they must do or 
or not do. Right. We're going to give recommendations on what's medically necessary. But if the patient or family still want to continue some of those meds, they may just be financially responsible for them. Mm -hmm. Outstanding. Hey, guys, we're coming up on another break. We're going to take a quick uh, commercial break. We're going to come back. And I'm going to touch. I I, I hate to do this to you, ladies, but I'm going to touch on a little bit of real estate in the last segment. We're going to do a little just a little bit of real estate in the show because that's what we're here for. But but uh, uh, we will talk a little bit more with you guys as well. So, guys, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Really good. Really, really good. Is there anything you didn't, you don't think we've covered? Well, one thing I see here is supports continues after the passing of somebody. Yeah, that bereavement supports big. We so, should talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we should mention that. Okay, we should talk about that. Okay. Covered everything. I think so. Yeah. Stop at any time. It's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The criteria. Right. Yeah. You're not signing a death sentence for yourself. Mm-mm. That's the you know. I just I just want to make make sure people understand that. And boy, engage it. You know, I I think that personally, from my own person, I think my mother-in-law might be. She might be a candidate. She might. We may want to take a look at that. Mm-hmm. She gets twenty four seven care through her insurance right now. Mm-hmm. We're getting support, but that money will eventually run out. Right, because I think you told me she has long-term care insurance. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. which you can't even get anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, I mean, I looked into it when, when we started engaging it's her. It's an like, option. <laughs> you can't even get it. I mean, it's, and, 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 because all the actuarial charts were wrong. And so the insurance company, yeah, we're not offering that anymore. <laughs> That's crazy. What was the other? It's hospice and there's something else. Palliative. Palliative. Mm-hmm. P-A-L-I-A-T-I-V-E. Two Palliative. L's. Two L's. Oh, sorry. L L L L I T I V E. I A A I A T I V E. Okay. Right. Palliative. Yep. We'll pull it up and get it done. Okay. Here we go. Segment four. All right. Here we go. Segment four. Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. With me now in studio, we have Julie McIntosh and Jennifer Wontok, uh, and they're here from Compassion Care. Um, and we've been talking about hospice and palliative care uh, throughout the program. One of the things I noticed on, on the on the uh, sheet when we did, you sent me your outline about some of the things we wanted to make sure we talked about was the idea that the support continues beyond the passing of somebody, right? Yeah, so bereavement support, grief support, um, by Medicare guidelines, we provide that for a minimum of 13 months, although I will say, really, it's indefinitely. I know our grief counselors are seeing people whose loved ones passed two and three years mm-hmm. ago. Oh, but minimum requirement is 13 months. We know that that first year after someone passes, you're going to have their birthday, mm. maybe a wedding anniversary, your first Christmas or Hanukkah without them. All of those big milestones where even if we were doing okay, sometimes that grief comes back up. Mm-hmm. So minimum of 13 months, and that's with any hospice across the nation. So that's a big support for the family. We do um, one-on-one support. We have group support. Mm-hmm. And we offer that to the community. So even if somebody was never a patient of ours, but their family needs support, they absolutely can reach out. Okay. Um, And it also doesn't just happen when the person dies. So sometimes we come in and, you know, there's difficult family dynamics. It might be a new diagnosis. Mm. There might be some denial going on. Or maybe there's still young kids in the home, extended family. 
our team can start working from day one with them mm-hmm. to help them really prepare for the end of life and make that the best experience that it can be for the whole family sure mm-hmm. yeah because end of life um you know obviously impacts the patient themselves but it impacts the family so so much not just affects somebody's past but the process of getting there is 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 challenging it's just tough it's just tough on everybody uh anybody exposed to it will has, i'm sure will come to that realization and those of you out there listening have been exposed to you know what i'm talking about it's hard it, you know we never want to lose anybody i mean but Unfortunately, it's a reality. Right. It's part of life that none of us can escape. It's yeah. going to happen. Well, I'm going to escape. For all of us. I mean, I'm, uh, you're not talking about me. <laughs> well, when you figure that out, please let I'm just us telling know. you. Share the, yeah. We can We're talking share about, the knowledge. No, this is for the listeners and everybody. It is not me. I'm just telling you right now. You know, I, you know, I understand that. And I used to say we used to have a, a estate planning attorney. I said the same thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's not for me. It's for those guys. But we all have to come to that realization. Hey, it's for everybody. We need to understand yeah. that. It's really important. Um you know, and I think it's also, we mentioned it before, but I want to say it again. I think it's important that everybody understands this is not something that your doctor might be anxious to recommend. I'll say it that way. Um, not not for any 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 dubious reasons, just because, like you said, their their job is to keep you, keep you going. Yeah. And they want to continue to do it. They don't want to give up hope. Uh, your doctors really want you to get better. They want to cure and sometimes that's outside the that's outside their abilities. They just can't do it, and they're still reluctant to come to the reality that this person is not. You know, they're they're coming coming to the end, and so don't wait for your doctor to tell you, guys. That's, that's a great point. Yep. I just think that's really important because I, I, I again I experienced that personally. I said, Gee, and I'll blame the doctor. I'm like mad at the doctor for for doing that. I mean, I I'm you know I want him to save my mom. You know, do it. But I also understand now that gee, I could have had this help long before the, the it was offered. Right. If you only had known about if it, if I had known about you it, you might have been able to take advantage. Yeah, I think that's a that's a critical point. Um, so okay, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you guys. I'm going to tell them, first of all, uh, go ahead and text text to me. Say, hey, Arf, can you put me in touch with either Julie or Jennifer? Just text me at 702-203-1165. I'll put you in touch with these guys, and they'll help you with your personal situation. They'll be happy to jump in and perhaps set up an evaluation or, or have just have a consult, perhaps. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely, yep. And then... Um, with that being said, I want I want to talk just a little bit, you guys. We're, we're a real estate show. I'm going to talk a little bit. I, I don't know how many. You know, this is an awful segue, but I'm just going to I'm going to mention just a couple of things about about real estate. You know, this this uh, we take the show on Wednesday this week, and um, you know, earlier in the week uh, we had this this banking crisis, and this is something that that's affecting you know everybody. It's affecting the Wall Street. It's affecting you know infl- there's inflationary questions. There's all kinds of issues re- revolving around. Uh, the the Silicon Valley Bank uh, issues there, and I just want to point out to everybody that ultimately, you know, uh, the Fed's going to hopefully get this fixed, and, and and I think that you know we all understand that FDIC is there to protect our savings. This bank wasn't a normal bank. This is not the you know this is not Bank of America. This is not where you put your money. This is a business bank. They're they're dealing solely with businesses out there, guys, uh, and so no one's personal savings was really ever at risk, but some businesses' funds were definitely at risk. And one of the things I wanted to get out to you guys, and I was talking to my team about this because they were asking me questions about it, and I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not, you know, this is not my area of expertise, but I know just enough to be dangerous. And so I want to share with you guys the idea that, listen, if you have accounts in your bank, 
they are insured up to $250,000 each by the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Company. You need to know that that's okay. If you have more than $250,000 in any one account, you might want to re- reconsider that. And you might want to move some of those monies around so your, your, your accounts are short. And again, I don't know how that works. I just wanted to explain that to everybody so that there's an understanding because that's an important part of our banking system is the FDIC. I think they were, they were engaged uh, around the time of John Dillinger. <laughs> Wow. I think that's when it started. I, I don't. I, I didn't research this, so forgive me if I'm wrong. But basically, what they were saying is, we we need to protect the banking system because our whole economy depends on it. It's yeah. critical, you know. Uh, and the bank, what 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 uh, Silicon Valley Bank did was was just they made bad investments, or, or, or well, risky investments, I'll say. Uh, and they had too much money. And then as interest rates rose from the Fed, they couldn't cover the bills because they were they were collecting. Uh, uh, money's in it at a three percent rate and paying them out at four and a half. So they were they were upside down. They were backwards on some things, and so they 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 were heading in the wrong direction. And they grew way too fast. I was reading about them. They grew way too fast. They grew dramatically during the pandemic. Uh, just in the last few years, they grew dramatically. And this is something that we would hope that our government would have been watching a little more closely. That's the thing I'm really upset about. Is that gee. Guys, how'd you let them get this far down the path again? We don't want to be bailing banks out again. That's not something we're, I mean, nobody's excited about that opportunity. But let's let's just be mindful of the fact that, first of all, thank goodness, you know, the, the federal government's going to step in. They're going to short that. And, and, and all the deposits at that bank are, are going to be covered. They're not going to let them fail. Although I would say let's change management. <laughs> you know, I would suggest let's not have the same people doing this. It was interesting when I was reading the article, and Christopher Ruggaber and Fatima Hussein of the Associated Press wrote this article. And in the last page of the article, I was reading it. Apparently, um, this the the CEO Greg Becker uh, was lobbying Congress for lighter regulatory touch. <laughs> I mean, come on! I mean, really, guys? I mean, let's let's think about that just for a moment and understand that. We need the government to be able to watch things closely because, you know, the whole economy is built on, on pillars of the, that have to be protected. And one of them is our banking system. It's so critical. Um, when I think about how often we touch uh, the banking system on a daily basis, uh, not just in real estate transactions, just in personal life, just paying your bills. I mean, nobody's taking cash from one, one and, and putting it in the hand of their utility. You're writing checks. You're sending money. It's through the banking system that all these things happen. So it has to be protected. And I'm really actually quite disappointed that it got to this point um, in this particular case. And hopefully it doesn't go any further. Hopefully we don't see further declines and other banks doing the same thing where they were overextended as a result of the Fed raising rates and costing them more money to borrow money to cover their shortfalls. Let's hope that that doesn't happen. And, and, and I don't believe that any of the big banks are in any kind of danger. That's not, that's, that not, has not been indicated. So let's hope that that's still the case. Um, having said that, one other quick article, just a quick note. Uh, Eli Siegel and the RJ wrote this. Uh, Las Vegas home sales climbed fast in February. I want you guys to know the, the, that the market uh, inventory is shrinking again. I want to make sure you understand that. It's shrinking again. It's going down. It's it's. It's uh, going to go back towards a seller's market a little bit here. We've seen median price flatten out. We've seen inventory shrinking. Uh, demand is picking up. We're getting into a, a more seasonal market again, unlike what during the pandemic when there was really no season to our market. But this is the buying season. We're heading into the time when kids are going uh, going to be out of school and parents are going to wa- be wanting to move and people are getting their uh, income tax refunds. So be prepared for the market to turn in that direction. Got to say, what a fun real estate hour, and I want to thank 
our uh, I want to thank Mark, our production director. We've got to thank Carly again for doing a great job. And our outstanding guest today, that being Julie McIntosh and Jennifer Wontok. Thanks so much, ladies, for coming and sharing all that information with us today. It was really invaluable. Thanks really. for having us. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. I'm your host, Harvey Blankfeld. Next week, we'll have another wonderful hour for you. We're going to be live next week. Next week, you can actually call me and ask me questions if you like. I will be live on the radio next Saturday. But if you ever have a question about real estate or any of the other topics we cover, just call me off there or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, LV Real Estate Radio. Like and follow us on social media, our handle being at LV Real Estate Radio. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us this week. Remember, what we seek to educate, empower, and engage with you, we want you to learn, understand, and then act. We'll meet you on the radio next Saturday at 11 a.m. Talk to you then.